got one man up and Jonathan Joseph comes straight through the middle. Got Mike Brown to beat as the last line of defence and here goes Joseph. Joseph's going to get over. Watson goes on the outside. Oh, Watson goes Hello and welcome to the Bath Rugby Plug, the rugby podcast by the fans for the fans, plugging the boys in blue, black and white. My name is Gabriel and I'm joined as ever by my good friend and fellow Bath fan Tom. Hello mate. And on this occasion by friend of the podcast Andrew. Andrew, thank you very much for joining us. How are you? Yeah, I'm very, very well guys. Thanks very much for the invite. It's, uh, it's nice to be on the pod. Yeah, great to have you. And um, I believe you were at the game on on Friday, like I was. Well, I know you were at the game on Friday. How how did you find it? Have you uh, have you gotten over it yet? Uh, yeah, just about. I'll, I'll admit, I do find it um, a bit tough to be too disappointed about the the game itself, given the strength of the team. But um, on the whole, yeah, I'm pretty happy with um, pretty happy with the, with the game and how the boys played. What was the uh, what was the atmosphere like, boys, um, at the wreck on Friday? Uh, a little bit subdued, I would say. Um, I think compared to other games this season, when we have mentioned how the wreck, um, unlike the wreck, has been quite raucous at times this season, I think being a dead rubber, I think the fans were kind of waiting for something to ignite them uh, and, and little bar- Bath did little to kind, kind of do that. I don't know how it was like from, from where you were sat, Andrew. Yeah, I mean, I think following on from the sale game, that was probably one of the, the most raucous um, home games I've actually uh, been to at the wreck. It was brilliant. And to go into this game, I think I kind of felt that the fans, you know, knew it was a dead rubber. Um, I think um, the only the only noise that really came out of the Dyson stand was some Harlequins fan behind us who were pretty much destroying the, uh, the silence in the library. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was, uh, it was quite a subdued game and quite... Um, Quite a quiet, um, quite a quiet night for the Bath. Yeah, fans. I think they, so we sort of needed, uh, you know, an Aled Brew red card, was it? Um, like against mm. uh, Northampton Saints, really, to sort of galvanise the crowd, get everyone into it a little bit. Because I don't know if you boys would agree with this, but at times during the game, having watched it on the TV, it did feel like a little bit of a training run for mm. for both sides. Obviously, you know, we'd made fourteen changes in the in, in the run up to to the game. Um, and I do think that we were lacking that sort of cohesiveness that you know we're beginning to see um, as as part of our as part of our play. And uh, at times the intensity, I think, for both sides to be honest, mm. um, and the errors as well, um, didn't make it the the best of of spectacles on what was otherwise a, a brilliant weekend of European rugby. Yeah, I think we'll come on to the game in a lot more detail. Uh, in just a little bit. Also to come on this podcast, there's some signing news, some contract extension news for the Blue, Black and White this week. And some rumours. And some rumours, um, which we're going to touch on slightly later. And we're going to look ahead to Bath's trip to Belfast um, for the trip to Ulster. So um, that to come on the podcast. But before we do, Andrew, we're going to sort of introduce you to the listeners a little bit as a, a new guest on the podcast. Um, I kind of feel like after doing this for so many weeks now, Tom, the listeners kind of know our boring old opinions <laughs> about the blue, black and white. So, so good to have a, a new voice. Yeah, Andrew, do you, do you just want to do a monologue for the next half an hour? <laughs> we'll we'll sit here and listen to you. And, uh, you... I'm here on the chat, guys, so I'll be able to crack on for about 10 seconds. <laughs> Get everything off your chest as a, a long-suffering... Uh, you've been a season ticket holder for, for a few seasons, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. About four seasons in total. Um, I, I did actually go to a couple of games with my dad when I was younger, um, but um, whenever I moved um, to the southeast, I decided to get a season ticket and uh, you know kind of make a 
kind of bi-weekly trip to, to the home games as and when I can. Um, so I've been a Bath fan since I was about 14, 15. Um, but kind of prior to that, I was a big rugby fan, but didn't really support a team, which is a good thing because I went to school in Gloucester. And <laughs> Gloucester. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so what what would be your, your, your first Bath memory then kind of, kind of kind of as a bath fan what would be that that moment that as a 14 15 year old got you got you to, to support the boys so um actually it was a uh, the first game i went to with my dad's so the first home game and it was uh, bath gloucester in the 0304 season then the less said about the 10 in that season the better um, with what happened with was in the final um <laughs> but, uh, it was a 47 uh, 41 to 7 uh, point win to bath uh, and having to go into school uh, on the Monday following the game uh, with all my friends who supported Gloucester was was definitely a, a great moment. Uh, and probably the first thing that kind of sticks out in my mind. So, oh, that's yeah. brilliant. So, see, l- last week, I think it was the the worst defeat to Gloucester in something like nine, ten years. So, uh, uh, yeah, you must uh, you must look back to those days quite nostalgically, uh, given given the current form of the yeah. team. Or we either look back on them nostalgically or with massive regret that you, you chose the wrong club. <laughs> 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 so you were never, you were ne- you were, and you were never tempted to to switch across to the lure of uh, of Saracens or or Harlequins or I guess Wasps at that point as well when you moved over to London. Yeah, um, I'll admit I, there's something about Harlequins. I don't know if it's the Battenberg shirt or, or whatever it is, but there's just something I don't like about them. Um, <laughs> so um, yeah, maybe it's the fact the stoop is miles away from a decent pub. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's never really liked them, and, and Saris. Again, I find them really hard to like. They're, they're a great team, but there's something so clinical about them. And I just kind of lack a bit of passion. And going into the wreck, being in the centre of Bath, being in and amongst it and the atmosphere, that's kind of what sold me. And uh, yeah, uh, kind of pinned my colours to the blue, black and white mask ever since. Well, I was going to say, you know, you talk about the Harlequins kit, but uh, they've certainly taken steps back um, with that. I mean, their, their European kit's a horrible sort of... Um, stewards like sort of green and um, you know obviously we've moaned many times on this podcast as, as you know Andrew about Bath but the one thing we can cling on to is that the, the kit um, the blue black and white hoops is uh, is still probably the best in the premiership um, um, I would mm. say so um, yeah, at least you've got that to, to cling on to Andrew so um, we're top of the league in that sense yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah we're top of the league alphabetically and in kit but that is where it ends unfortunately who then Andrew out of the current squad who would be your your favourite player? Um, so, I think, as it stands today, I think Big Joe has to be my favourite player. But of all time, it's another big, hard-charging, fast Pigeon in uh, Semester Rocco de Gooney. Um, so I've got a bit of a soft spot for both of them. Actually, my claim to fame is Rocco follows me on Instagram. So... Um, <laughs> Which is uh, which is brilliant. I tagged him in a post of a of a signed shirt I have up here in my office um, with a bit of a, a bit of a quote about him, and uh, he followed me on Instagram, which is great. But in terms of current team, absolutely, it's Big Joe. I think he is potentially going to be the difference when he comes back. I know we haven't heard much about his injury, uh, but I think he's been a massive miss for us this season, especially as the likes of Brew and Rocco seem to have slowed down a bit. Um, he's an absolutely incredible player, such a mercurial talent, mm. um, and I most love watching. You know, yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we if we sort of unexpectedly sort of see him back in action at some point. You know, particularly as we're going to be missing um, at least Anthony Watson um, uh, away to England duty during the Six Nations, and uh, Max Green, um, another one with Anthony Watson that sort of came back into the the starting squad quite unexpectedly. And I think you know, on the one hand, Stuart Hooper is frustratingly at times um, being quite coy with um, how players are getting on with with injury. Um, but you know, to see. Green 
Green, Falatau and, and, and Watson come back earlier than, than we've expected. You never know. You might get uh, sort of a late Christmas wish and uh, he might run out at the, the Kingspan um, against Ulster at the weekend, Andrew. <laughs> I think that'd be a, that would be a bit of a stretch. But I did actually see on his Instagram story, uh, he, he was at Farley House in the week. So um, at least we know that he, he's kind of still involved with the club in that sense and hasn't kind of distanced himself to, to get surgery elsewhere. Just finally, Andrew, before we get on to this Quinns game, and I'm delaying it as much as possible because it really wasn't the best game in the world. Um, we've tried on countless occasions to, to get an accountable prediction right. Tom is dangerously close to getting one right, right with Will Stewart. This time next week as well, the uh, England squad announced. So I could be uh, on the next podcast basking the glory of a, a first uh, prediction that I've, uh, I've made correctly. But Andrew, have you got an accountable prediction for us and the listeners that, 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 that we can get right? Um, I think that um, uh, Bath will be uh, in the top five come the end of the season. If you get all the players back, um, get the, the squad kind of you know absolutely firing and get our form back on track, I think uh, that's absolutely a target that we can achieve. Um, so yeah, that's my accountable prediction for, for the end of the season. Maybe not too far stretched, but I think when you look at the games and the fixtures we've got coming up, um, I think there's a potential couple of upsets that we can cause the big guys in there and um, kind of cementing ourselves and having a bit of progress year on year. That's my, that's my accountable uh, prediction. And would fifth for you be progress for, for, for this season? I guess, what, sixth last season? Fifth or, or in the top five? Would that be progress? I think, look, you know, a position up is progress in, in a very, very small incremental form. But but actually, if you think about the start of the season we've had, um, for us to secure that with the games that we have coming up, I think that would be, you know, uh, a big step forward for us year on year. Um, mm. You know, last season towards the tail end was an absolute nightmare. I think if we can kind of um, cement that place early doors um, and, you know, make sure that we have European football secured, sorry, um, rugby secured for next season, Um that would be, um, I think, that'd be massive for us. And, yeah, big, big step forward. Yeah, I think certainly from this position, a lot of Bath fans would take that. So fingers crossed for a correct, accountable prediction there, Andrew. Right, let's get into the game then, fellas. Uh, and, and actually, well, before we do, let's get into the team selection prior to the game. Uh, and, and Tom, what did you make of of Bath's team selection? I, I guess looking ahead slightly to to the Six Nations and, and taking into account the players we may be missing. Yeah, I think it was a you know it was a nice blend of of experience and, and youth as we spoke about. You know, some guys in there mm. um, who are coming back from injuries who still aren't a hundred uh, percent fit. So Matt Garvey, uh, Max Green, as I mentioned, coming back in into the team, um, uh, and also Jackson Willison. And um, you know, as, as we'll come on to, I thought he was really one of the only shining lights in in what was a pretty poor performance. I would say overall. Um, but he was he was brilliant, and um, you know, with the rumours circulating uh, around our other um, one of our other top line uh, centres, um, I think he's going to play a really important part of uh, um, of how our season ultimately plays out and where Andrew we you know we ultimately do end up end up finishing. So yeah, good to see sort of those guys those guys come back and those guys get a run out when you know there's not really t- pressure in terms of in terms of getting a result. Um, and then secondly, the the other point just that that youth so um, restate. Davis um, in the lock uh, with his first European start. Um, and then at long last, 
um, Tom de Glanville um, getting an opportunity in the 23, um, coming on actually for, for a whole half an hour after after Watson limped off. So brilliant to see him involved. And now Merrigan as well, um, I thought looked looked good when he came on. And, and at the age of only 18, um, I think mm. this is a high quality experience against, um, you know, ultimately what was um, a pretty close to full strength Quinside. Yeah, I was going to say on on that Quinn side, Andrew. Going into the game, looking at the two sides, were you feeling optimistic or, or quite pessimistic? Tom says there it was quite a strong Quinn's team. Um, I'll be honest; I was feeling very, very pessimistic. If you look <laughs> at the Quinn's lineup, um, it's pretty much star-studded with countless internationals. And I think if you look at uh, the club appearances in the starting 15, Quinn's had over a 1,000 mm. club appearances in the starting 15. And Bath only had just over 600, but 40% of those were for Garvian and Watson. So the remaining players um, <laughs> pretty much had you know, kind of under 40 appearances there and thereabouts with the rest of the team. So I wasn't feeling that confident. But actually, when you think of the, the kind of experience the guys will get playing against those kind of seasoned England internationals, mm. I think that's a great experience for the team. That's kind of why I think the result doesn't feel too bad. Um, mm. Frustrating things have kind of crept into the game, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Um, but I think ultimately, um, you know, uh, the, the guys did a pretty good job against quite a you know, season uh, starting 15 for, for Quinns. Yeah, I think a lot of those frustrations came at the end, uh, which we will come on to, as you say, Andrew. But Tom, just looking at the start, we got off to, to, to quite a fast start, scoring after five minutes, uh, Jack Walker crashing over, but but letting Quinns in really comfortably for two tries of their own in that first quarter. What did you make of that first sort of 20 minutes of, of play? Well, yeah, I, th- I thought that, uh, as you sort of alluded to there, Angie, the Quinns um, uh, starting eight, the, the, the forward pack, was very, very strong. So I think that is pretty much their first choice um, pack. Um, and so I was kind of slightly worried going into the game with, you know, some of the younger guys um, in our in our front eight. And, you know, how are we going to get on in the set piece? Um, how is the driving more going to do? Are we going to lose the battle of the breakdown? And that's why it was it was really encouraging to um, to see a start well, to see a set up, um, a good driving mall. Um, and for, for Jack Walker to sort of um, yeah, have the nous really to, to take the opportunity to accelerate away from the mall and, and get that early score. But, the, but then we just made it, made it far too easy, to be honest. It was a carbon copy, really, of the Walker try um, at the other end. Um, you know, a penalty um, that we gave away, an unforced error, really, inside our own half um, that allowed um, uh, the Quinns fly half, was it Heron, um, to kick down into to the corner again. And, and then the mall defence there was just, it was just far too easy. Um, we didn't really get a man up there to, to compete um, in the line out um, and we sort of got turned and, and our defence completely splintered. Um, and that really, to me, and I, I mentioned it, that looked like mm. sort of a training park, sort of half intensity kind of, uh, uh, kind of try when you're just going through the motions and um, uh, on the training paddock. So um, I think Stuart Hooper will be very disappointed with that because we've, you know, we've mentioned our, our mall defence in particular has been, has been good at times. We've stopped it at source or we've, we've, we've competed effectively. So um, very disappointing and we just let them let them straight back in the game. Anyway, that first 20 minutes was was characterised by, 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 and to be honest with you, the whole game was characterised by plenty of errors by by both sides. And, and I do think that as soon as Quinn's kind of got a, a, an opportunity with ball in hand, they, they, they took it in that first 20 minutes and they didn't go on to, to take more opportunities in the game. But as soon as they got 
got quick ball. They, they, they scored their second try and some, yep. some pretty passive Bath defending, which is kind of unlike guys like Max Wright and, and Gabe Hammer-Webb on the outside, which, which let, um, you know, the other Gabe, Gable on Gable, match up on one wing, which I particularly <laughs> enjoyed, uh, scheming at the, in the other corner. So, um, only have a third Gabriel uh, at fullback just to, um, just to make, <laughs> just, just to make his way across and uh, side down Nivatoya. You've probably, you've probably got him over 100 meters, haven't you? I mean, I, I may well, I may as well have played for, for Bath at the weekend. I, um, Turned out for, for old Sulians again on Saturday. Uh, played 10 minutes, but I could only tell you I played 10 minutes because people told me I played 10 minutes. I spent my Saturday night uh, getting my, a CT scan in Bristol Hospital after a, uh, yeah, a bit of a nasty concussion. I cannot remember any of what I did uh, in that game, but I can probably assure you it wasn't great. Um, but let's move into the, the, the rest of the first half then, Andrew. And, and, and Bath kind of bit back and... Uh, and scored just before the, the the break. What did you make of that that second Bath try? Um, well, I think it was incredible. It's kind of the first time uh, in a while that I think that we've really kind of played that well and scored a try in open play. You know, mm. that pass by Freddie Burns was was um, incredible, really, absolutely brilliant. Um, but actually, it was kind of created by. Uh, Jackson Willison making a, a break, winning the collision, mm. going through. Gabe um, quickly followed in, and Quince just never recovered from there. And um, you know, after a few phases, um, Freddie passed the ball out to Gabe, and it was an absolutely brilliant finish. Uh, and I think it was the second try for for Gabe in his, in yep. his third appearance in, in the Champions Cup, which is just brilliant. Yeah, absolutely fun. brilliant. I think um, you know his pace, uh, his goal, and his kind of creativity is kind of what have been missing a bit on the wing. I think Rocco. Um, struggled since he's come back and I think you know maybe it was Eddie in the stands maybe it was Rocco's poor form but I think Gabe's doing everything he can to try and get his place in the, in the starting 15. Yeah I think that's right actually about Hamer Webb it's kind of that um that 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 clinicality when he got his opportunity he just went straight for the corner and backed himself and it was a similar try when he when he scored his other try in Europe in that he kind of didn't really mess around. He got the ball in his hands and he knew exactly what he had to do. And he, he just went for the corner. And as you say, a really nice finish. And, and you mentioned Jackson Willison. I think all both of you have mentioned the, the impact that, that Willison had on the game. And Tom Scriven got in touch with us on Twitter saying Willison has to be a starter going forward. And I think the general consensus was that he, he had a really strong game. And uh, it's just that continuity that he brings. Instead of dying with the ball and allowing the, the defence to kind of reset, the offload off the floor, which it often is, um, kind of means that the defence continue to backpedal and it means that the, the, the scrum half can, can gain quick ball and it provides overlaps uh, for, for the wingers, which, which, as you say, Andrew, we'll come on to the, the performance of Burns as a whole, I think, later on in the podcast, but that was certainly a really bright moment, a, a fantastic pass. You know, it wasn't quite Teddy Iriveren uh, out, out, out the back of the hand, but it was, uh, yeah, pretty, pretty good. So uh, well, you, yeah, you mentioned, you mentioned quick ball and, and, and the scrum half. Um, and I thought that was the other really positive um, that, that came from that first 20 minutes or so. Max Green coming back and injecting, mm. um, you know, a bit of fizz um, and just a bit of sort of intensity at the breakdown that we've been crying out for. Um, he also kind of put a really nice um, little grubber th- uh, kick through um, from the base of a ruck and Gabe Hammer-Webb um, nearly latched onto that. We only needed to slow down um, a little bit more in, in, again, what was a very, very boggy um, sort of five-metre line and, and dead ball line and he would have been on, on the end of that. And um, yeah, not, not 
stop not long after. Um, a nice little break from the base of the ruck again. He is by far and away our most threatening scrum half with ball in hand. You don't really see that from from Chudley. Um, and I think Cook, as we said, is can be can be very much hot and cold. So brilliant to see him back, but only managed 23 minutes, boys. And um, uh, to see him sort of just pull up um, quite innocuously, really, just just running to, to a ruck. Um, he looked uh, pretty gutted. And I know, G, that um, you heard him chatting to, to a few mates after the game and uh, he didn't seem too optimistic in terms of outlook for that injury. Yeah, I think that's spot on, Tom. He, he did things in that first 20 minutes that, that kind of you haven't seen from a Bath scrum half this season from, from either Chudley or Kirk. And, and I guess there is an extent that I think that Green has become a better player by being injured in the, the performances of, of Cook and of Chudley haven't grasped that nine shirt and therefore we've kind of looked to Green and maybe built up what the performances that he had last season and made them more in our minds because of the, the lack of quality elsewhere. But I think in that 20 minutes, he kind of showed the glimpses that, that Bar fans are kind of holding on to. And, and you mentioned that kick. There was also one nice flick out the back of, of his hand. But yeah, but I, but I think that... Um, sorry, Andrew, before you come in, I think that you're right. He was on, he was on crutches at the end of the game and he came over to, to speak with a, a few of his friends and he, he was joking around that he was off to the job centre on Monday because um, he, he might be out of action for a little while. So fingers crossed, it's not as bad as he uh, he first thought. But um, yeah, he looked bright. And uh, do, you, do you agree with that, Andrew? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a real shame. Is um, I'm not necessarily the the biggest fan of of Chudley and Cook. I just think they they slow our attack down, and um, especially Cook can kind of be quite late to get down to any sort of uh, to get to the ball at any moment. I kind of feel like uh, what Max was able to do is just kind of get in there and distribute the ball really, really quickly. And our, our attack was so much better uh, as a result of that. And it's a real shame. But I kind of feel like every time he gets a run in the team, he gets injured. Uh, almost immediately or after a game or two and mm. you know whether it's down to the strength and conditioning coaches just try and beef him up a bit because he's, he's not the biggest um, and uh, you know if they can do that and he can you know maybe kind of take a few collisions a bit better and, and not get hurt so much and, and so often I think you know Bath would, would really really um, they'd benefit from that because I think we miss a player of that quality in, in the scrum half position. Yeah I guess that's right but it it did seem as though it was a bit of an innocuous injury and in that he was just kind of pulled up. And I, I dread to think that he was kind of rushed back for this game because it certainly came as a surprise to, to me that he, he was starting. I don't know what you boys thought about that, but I was very surprised to see him in the 23, particularly in the nine shirt, Andrew. What did you, were you, were you as surprised as us? And, and, and do you think that, that, that potentially rushed him back slightly early or could you not? You yeah, absolutely. And I think that's just something that, that Bath have done a couple of times this season. Mm. You know, they've, they've probably brought players back too quickly. I think especially back to the reverse fixture against Harlequins where, where Watson and Joseph, mm. uh, and I think it was Underhill as well, all were brought back uh, in for that game. Uh, and I believe Watson and Joseph both pulled up with injuries. And I just think that kind of, uh, care of the players needs to be looked at a little bit more. So it kind of feels like you know the, the likes of Saracens and other teams in the league are just managing their their England players back into the, the kind of twenty three into the fifteen much better than, than Bath are at the moment. I think we do have some really really good strong strength and depth. Maybe not in the scrum half or the half back positions, but I think apart from that, you know, we should be um, taking a bit more care of our guys and not rushing them back to the end up being carted off after 20-30 minutes mm. yeah. disrupting our play I think, right? yeah I think the only thing I would say is that you know last season at points we had real clarity from Todd Blackadder etc around how the players were getting on when you know sp- 
when um, specifically we could expect them back and what element in sort of whether they were training, what stage of the, in their rehab they were. Mm-hmm. So um, we're getting absolutely nothing um, from Stuart Hooper at all, as we've spoken about. You know, the, the interviews before um, and uh, after the game, I think they might as well, they could just play back um, the, the, the Stuart Hooper interview from basically any game of the season um, and, and you'd believe that it was for, for the Quinns game because um, he doesn't give much away. Um, and as a fan, that's that's frustrating. He has his reasons for that, which, as we said, I don't agree with. Um, but, you know, Max Green's been out for, for, what, three or four months now since since the very start of the season, really. Mm. Um, so I think it's quite plausible that we just haven't heard anything from from Hooper. And then suddenly he's sort of been training and he's um, and, and he's ready to come back. So I think, you know, I would trust the strength and conditioning guys and, and the rehab guys to, um, you know, be experts in that and get players back. You're right, Andrew, we have seen instances when, when players... Um, uh, you know, have come back from injury and, and have unexpectedly at points and, and then have been injured. But, um, you know, correlation is not causation. And um, I, you know, I'd really, um, uh, you know, surely they're not, they're not rushing these guys back because there's just such a risk doing that. Yeah, a clear injury report would be greatly appreciated. But I do think we're uh, kind of not going to, we're not going to get that, I don't think. I think that's kind of under, under this current regime I think that seems unrealistic at the moment any other points uh, either of you from from that first half Tom or sh- should we move on to, well, to the second well half? I was just going to say sort of one one final mm. sort of point and to tee up the, the second half so um, yet again sort of uh, as we did against Gloucester only two points up um, going into that that interval um, but with 70% of the possession, double the number of carries that, that Quinn's had um, Quinn's also conceded eight penalties um, in that first half. So um, again, we really had opportunities. And I think that um, aside from, you know, that that kind of poor defensive set to, to let Ebertoye, um through and score, kind of we, we didn't really help ourselves because all our hard work was kind of undone by that um, because we were only able to, to, to get that far ahead. And it's quite demoralising um, from, I guess, um, psychologically when you go in having really worked, really sort of had all the ball um, but not ultimately being able to being able to sort of transform that into into a lead and Quinns I think would have been more confident going into that second half given that they probably weathered um, a lot of the Bath storm in that first half but there was only that two point deficit mm. and seven handling errors in that first half kind of stifled any any opportunity that we may have had in their twenty two every time we got in there we we gave it back to them. Uh, and, and either through through lack of discipline at the breakdown, not throwing the ball in straight, or, or just dropping the ball. So yeah, I agree. You know, we were lucky to get that try at the end to make to to make sure we were going in leading. But as you say, Tom, I think it could have easily been a little bit more. Um, right, let's move on into the second half then, uh, Andrew, and and, and kind of. Uh, <laughs> A game that didn't really ever ignite, despite the fact that it was was really close in that first half. I, I kind of got the feeling that, that Quinns just edged further and further away until they, they, they had a six-point lead with 10 minutes to go and you kind of didn't really realise how they'd got there. Is that is that how you saw it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think also it's the kind of second game that we've been in where kind of past the 50th, 60th minute, Mark, the game's just running away from us a little bit. You know, I think the same yeah. thing happened against Gloucester last week uh, and it's a bit of a worrying trend the start of the half was was a bit scrappy um, but I think they were really for us um, versus last week two game-changing moments and the first one was Watson coming off uh, and then there was Ross that came on which drove me batty uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's had all weekend um, for that one, one. We'll come on 
performance. You can sign. You can sign off now, mate. I think that's. <laughs> I, think, I think that's that's you done. It's not getting better than that, is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go, go on. Talk us through your, your thoughts. Firstly, on 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 the Watson uh, injury and and the impact you felt like that that had in the game. Yeah, I just think, you know, um, from that moment, our, our attack was blunted. Um, I think we lacked a bit of creativity um, with ball in hand. And while the guys tried their best, we just weren't weren't really cohesive in our attack. And I, I feel that, you know, while it was probably a bit of a, an eyebrow raising for Watson to be in the starting 15, I think actually justified his place. Mm. And when he came off um, and we replaced him with Tom de Granville, I believe, um, you know, it was great for him to get the minutes, as we mentioned earlier, but I kind of feel like we just lost that experience um, and um, you know the few guys in the team were a bit rusty and I feel like once he went off and our talisman and our captain came off and the team just kind of dropped uh, from there really yeah I think the rustiness is is, is absolutely the right point you, you kind of felt like it was a team that there had been 14 changes made and when Watson goes off then that's 15 changes like just the slight inaccuracies really cost us. Just balls not quite going to hand, uh, players slightly overrunning it, players not being quite on the same page in that attacking structure. You know, one sticks in my mind in particular where Mike Williams gets it and he goes to, to, to sort of pass the ball behind a forward to Freddie Burns and it's just sort of a, a half a metre behind him and another one where Burns tries to pass it to Watson and Watson's just overrun it by, by kind of half a metre and it was just those those inaccuracies which would come with those combinations having not played a lot of rugby together and I guess Quinn's maybe having played a little bit more rugby together these guys I guess that may have been a reason why they were able to, to, to gain that six-point advantage, Tom. Yeah, it felt like we were, we were trying too hard in mm. attack, really. We were um, quite static at times, sort of shipping the ball sideways, but there's no um, there's no pace on the, the guys receiving the ball at all. And we end up sort of um, trying to go out to our, to our wingers and um, you know either getting tackled out into touch or, or sort of making unforced errors, as you say, because we're just not sort of earning the right to, to go wide with... Um, with anything sort of going forwards, to be honest. And um, yeah, I think Anthony Watson, as ever, um, you know, a class act. Um, and he he looked dangerous when he when he got the ball. So I um, agree, that was a massive moment. I think another um, massive moment in that second half, really. And ultimately, I think this kind of set the tone for, for the result um, was, um, and, and I hate to say it, was that sort of Freddie Burns um, missed touch um, on, on sort of the 55-minute mark um, uh, just before the Gloucester try. So um, try, yeah. Sorry, just for the Harlequins to try, sorry. So obviously went back and, you know, it's been so effective for Priestland, who's been kicking it, um, you know, up to the moon and back really um, and, and making massive, massive ground. And Freddie Burns just didn't quite strike it well enough, was ambitious with his with his touch finder. Um, but you just can't miss touch from, from that position being pinned back um, uh, sort of uh, on your line like that. And um, Aaron Morris, you know, who I thought had a good game, um, uh, ex-England sevens, that sort of, um, an absolute gift for him because he's got acres of space to run into. All he has to do is get on a, on a weak shoulder of a um, uh, sort of on the outside of a, of a forward, um, which is which is Ross Batty in this instance, and then just a little offload um, to to Don Brandt. And um, De Glamour wasn't wasn't quite in position, and it was just kind of an easy um, run in for for Don Brandt. So I think you know, and yeah, that, that that felt like a massive moment because from that point onwards, we were always chasing we were always chasing the game. That said, I think sort of going forwards, while whilst the Gloucester game did get a bit out of hand, and ultimately they got that that bonus point, and the game was was well out of sight. We were only six points behind going into the, those last few minutes, um, and we did we did have a number three or four 
guilt-edge opportunities with line-outs and again, mistouch from the penalties. Um, and, you know, a better side, I think even a better Bath side, um, surely he's got to take one of those opportunities, boys, and win the game. Yeah. yeah. Go on, Andrew. Sorry, sorry to labour the point on, on Ross Batty here, but I felt that that Quinn's try was very, very soft. Um, look, the line that Don Brack runs is kind of classic Don Brack, right? You know, um, he's just kind of following in on, on the guy that's um, going to be tackled. But it feels like Batty almost kind of misses that tackle on, on Morris. And then Williams has to go in to try and save the day, which creates the mm. space for Don Brack to run into. It just kind of feels as if you know, he could have made a better job of that tackle there. I mean, maybe I'm being a bit tough on him, but when I was looking at that again, it was just another moment where I thought, you know, that could have possibly been pre- prevented had of, you know, Batty kind of brought him down a, you know, a couple of yards up. Yeah, but I, I guess what I would come back at that and say, Andrew, is that these these forwards need need a bit of a, a rest, and, and and Burns has got to find touch there. Uh, it's just not 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 good enough that, and that's the key moment in the game. Ultimately, that's the moment where where, where Quinns win the game, and and just a general point on Burns, and he kind of got a lot of praise from from, from the BT Sport team just watching the game back this afternoon this evening, and and that's because he did some things really 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 well. That pass that we we spoke about for the Gabe Hammer Web try. Fabulous pass. He did another nice cross, uh, sort of kick, which he we hit um, on the kind of left hand side of the kick, ball. Yeah. Banana kick, which spun into into the corner. Uh, a couple of nice half breaks from 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 fullback, but then just inconsistencies by by by, by missing touch and, and 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 not being very accurate with 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 his kicking. Um, and also not being very accurate at times with his passing as well. And and I guess to to, to kind of you know, give Freddie a bit of a pass here. That's what comes with with not playing much rugby. Is that you 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 are rusty and you also end up forcing it because you know that this is an opportunity for you. Mm. These next two weeks are massive opportunities for him. You know, maybe his last opportunities in a Bath shirt to stake a claim to that permanent fly half role. And I guess, therefore, you you, you would try things that, 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 that maybe you wouldn't when you've got the assurances of, of, of the coaches. And I think Preston's got those assurances and therefore can stick to his game and knows his game and isn't isn't forced to, to kind of force force a play. And, and, and whilst that, that, that mistouch is, is, is just unacceptable, I guess the reason is that, that, that he's probably not played a, a enough rugby to, to kind of you know have that kind of rhythm in, in, in his game yeah I'm just gonna ask actually your we, you know we've spoken about this till we're, we're blue in the face now but what's your kind of view um, on sort of Priestland or, or Burns and um, who, 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 do you, who do you who do you side with on um, on, on that issue you, it, I really I really hope no one I sit beside uh, in, in the Dyson standards listening to me so all the way through last season uh, I would swear at Reese Priestley every single time he would got near the ball. I will admit he's probably my least favourite Bath player of all time, or right up there until this season. I think he's been an absolute revelation. You know, his accuracy of his kicking is brilliant. He does lack a little bit of creativity, but he's he's been um, he's been absolutely amazing. And it's actually now become a bit of a thing with the people I sit around that I have to swear at him before he kicks because chances are he is going to score points. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I'll admit, though, I think what we do get with Priestens, um 
is, you know, someone who is absolutely consistent and, um, you know, he is definitely, I think, in his best form since he, he joined Bath. But I do think we miss some of the creativity that, you know, some of the other teams in the league get with, you know, different fly halves. And, you know, that's why whenever the rumours, um, I think it was towards the end of last season with Pollard potentially coming, got me really excited because he's the type of player that I think Bath really, really needs to, to kind of take us to the next level. And, and while I think Priest did a good job this season, um, you know, I, I don't think he's the right person to take Bath forward. Yeah. In terms of Freddie Mines, similarly, you know, I, I love the guy. He's great on Instagram and he seems like a good guy and a good laugh, but he just seems to be so inconsistent, you know. Yeah. And um, probably more good enough for us. Oh, yeah, I agree. I think um, we spoke about uh, potential signings at Fly Half uh, on the on the podcast last week, and uh, yeah, went um, uh, a little bit uh, viral. Even for, I mean, for our standards, viral is um, about ten likes and one retweet. But you know, um, um, <laughs> uh, seems to get a bit of traction with the Alex Ozowski point, particularly with the you know Saracen starting to um, release players this season. Um, I, I agree with you, and um, well, I, I've, I've kind of been calling for to give Freddie Burn a bit of a chance but um, I think he, he does not really justifying it particularly as you say given that Priestland's playing his his best rugby and you know the other thing I would say is um, Cook Chud, Cook or Chudley Priestland Roberts um, is a very different outfit in terms of creativity and, and the points you're making there than is um, Green Priestland and then Jackson Willison I think that having Willison outside him um, potentially will make him um, a better player to be honest, maybe not defensively, but I think it will allow him to um, sort of vary the attack a little bit more when when perhaps Jamie Roberts, um, you know, does obviously favour as we know that kind of route one um, up the middle kind of mm. kind of rugby. So I think that will will help him, and I would really like to see. I mean, you know, obviously Green might be out for a bit now, but I would love to see that combination have a go in a proper Premiership game with our with us with our top twenty three, um, because I think to your point, Andrew, that um, would potentially help Priestland in an area where you know clearly it's not his forte. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I think we're we're kind of all in agreement there that 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 maybe neither of these two are are the option long term. But I guess it's finding the right one for this team this season to to get uh, as high as we can. And I guess with our 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 games often coming down to, to to having very little margin for error when we do win. Errors like that that from from Burns just just massively count against him uh, when when it comes to to picking fly off for the big game. But let's move on to to kind of the final stages of this game and and, and the chances we did have and and I guess we'll just start by by mentioning Willison's try. We've mentioned how well we thought he played, but I guess um, another good move from Bath mm-hmm. uh, kind of sucked in plenty of the the the, the Harlequins defenders and and Willison Batty managed to free his arms to release Willison to score pretty nicely in the corner. Uh, if only that was a but yeah, yeah exactly if, if only if only that was a sign of, of things to come and uh, yeah I guess the last 10 minutes where 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 Andrew we had countless chances uh, in and around the 22 uh, countless line outs um, and ultimately you know for a number of reasons I think none of them sort of bore through in terms of a match winning try yeah, I mean, look, I think we lost seven of our own throws uh, in the yeah. game in total, and it felt like all of those came in the last five, ten minutes, which I'm sure they didn't. I think there was one in the first half from, from Walker that, that went um, astray as well. But it's really frustrating, you know, given the fact that it felt like we might be on the cusp of a win, even though it was a dead rubber, to just kind of throw away possession like that in the manner that we did was was massively frustrating. Um, 
for I think you know everyone uh, wearing blue, black, and white on the day. Yeah, it was massively frustrating, and you know Batty has come in for for a little bit of criticism on this podcast, and I think you know he would certainly admit that that the, the, the those throws weren't his best. They didn't seem to have a lot of conviction in them, and I guess that's what what happens when you haven't played rugby in a long time. There may be a little bit of of nerves, even though as you say it, it was a dead rubber. It's still in the first team and, and ultimately fighting for that 16 shirt yeah, yeah. It, it almost felt like a bit of a movie set to be honest it was like right um, how many times how many takes do we need for this boys um, you know we'll kick, we'll kick for the corner oh we'll miss touch we'll have another go <laughs> same position decent kick overthrows the line out or whatever and then finally got our got our line out right uh, from another penalty um, and then sort of the mall is kind of goes to nothing um, you know just when it matters you know we spoke about the, the try early doors and then um, the setup for the Willison try but when it matters and when it's um, you know it's crunch time um, we can't get it going and then um, as you say another um, kind of poor throw really and, and an easy interception uh, I think the batty throw uh, to me lacked lacked real sort of fizz um, to it and it just meant that you know the Harlequins jumpers just had ages to to get up in front of um, of the Bath jumpers and, and, and get that ball back yeah similar um, to the early days of this podcast when um, you know take one note we messed that one up take two note messed that one up take three no the mic's fallen over you know <laughs> two hours later and we're, we're five minutes in so uh, yeah it did feel a little bit like that you're right sorry Andrew I, I interrupted you there no apologies. Um, so I think you know um, if I listen back to I was listening back to the Ross Batty interview um, a couple of weeks ago, um, and um, he was saying how you know um, whenever you're throwing it in, you're almost like the the golfer and the caddy. You, know, you have to kind of pick your nine iron or your putter, and I think you know that that position is where you really need to you know um, have some have some um, match time to, to really make sure that you know you are kind of fizzing those balls in and getting mm. into hand and that you know it's going the right way kind of more, almost more so than any, any other position uh, and I think you know as we spoke about before the rustiness was just creeping in there and if this game was you know a way for him to get himself back on track then then perfect and for it to happen in a dead rubber I guess that's probably not a bad thing but in my mind I'm kind of hoping for Tom Dunn to come back and you know Bath can get back to their usual strength and power, prowess in the lineup. Yeah I guess just to, 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 to kind of give back a little bit of defence here is that I don't think he was helped. I think one in particular, Levi Douglas just dropped. I think it was uh, it did it wasn't maybe his best thrown lineup, but it did find the right man and, and Douglas just dropped it. And whilst you know we never really got to the mall stage, I don't think the kicks from Burns were, were as uh, adventurous as potentially they could have been, which meant that if we did eventually get the ball to, to a driving mall, we, it would have been some go to, to go the full 22 metres and ultimately score. But yeah, I guess so frustrating because uh, you know, a quality side, a really quality side, beats Harlequins on Friday. There's no doubt about that. You know, Paul Gustard was, was tearing his beanie off because he because of the amount of chances we, we gave him in that them in that last sorry, because of the amount of chances Harlequins gave us in those last ten minutes and, and I guess that's the ultimate disappointment, but um it didn't matter in the end and, and I think some positives can be kind of gleaned from this game, which I think we'll come on to in just a second. But any other more points, Andrew or, or Tom? Nah, I'm, from, I'm from pretty, I'm pretty done with this game. Andrew, so <laughs> I think one thing I just want to touch on is uh, Ollie Fox. Yeah. I thought actually he did quite well when he came on, and I did actually enjoy him being knocked into next week by Ziki. I think he took it quite well for quite a quite a small lad. Um, but you know, um, when he came on, I thought he actually did quite well, and um, you know, probably deserves a bit of a shout and a mention because. Mm. 
wasn't expecting to come on and play to the standard he did, and I thought he did, you know, brilliant considering the intensity and, and the quality of the Quinns team. Yeah, I don't think um, I think that will remind him not to follow Christian Wade out to America to <laughs> to get involved with any boys like Paul Asiki. I mean, he only he only, he only does one or two things well, Paul Asiki, but he's he's just immensely uh, powerful. I think he was a I think he was a pretty decent. Was, um, NFL player to be fair he was a fullback for Chicago Bears so yeah they literally just get the ball from the quarterback and run as hard as they can <laughs> as straight as they can but I, I, to be fair I don't think Ollie Fox is, is going to be playing in the defensive line if he went out to America I agree with you. Yeah. But best game in a bar shirt so yeah. fair play to him tidy very tidy and um, yeah uh, maybe a little bit of promise at nine and I guess that's kind of Moving on to, to a few positives there guys and whilst this is our worst ever run in Europe our sixth uh, straight defeat. Surprisingly, on Twitter, there were a few positives, and uh, Johnny Gale's been in touch with us again, um, and he kind of listed a whole load of positives. So I'll um, I kind of hit you guys with these, and then we'll we'll you know you can pick one out that, that maybe you agree or, or disagree with. So he says our front row equaled Marler and Genge. Ellis was outstanding. And Marler Pac- and Genge. Oh, sorry, uh, Sinclair. Marler and Sinclair. Uh, Ellis was outstanding and Pack in general exceeded expectations. Green looked fantastic at nine, should be our first choice, and Fox looked like an, ex- Fox looked like an exciting prospect. Willison looked clinical. Tom de Glanville looked good, as was Gabe Hammer-Webb. I guess we've touched on maybe maybe all of those guys, Tom, apart from, maybe surprisingly so, the scrum. What, what did you make of that area? Well, I want some of uh, what, what Johnny's having because, um, uh, you know, he's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's a breath of fresh air from the, uh, you know, the cesspit that usually is, uh, is Twitter. Um, yeah, we did really well. I mentioned earlier on in the podcast, it was a strong Harlequins pack. Um, again, they stepped, they stepped up. I thought Lewis Boyce, as ever, mm. um, but particularly against his old club mates, looked um, looked really up for it. You know, Joe Marler sort of winding him up, and he wasn't um, he wasn't having any of that um, at all. So um, yeah, I, I agree with all that. Tom Ellis again was was abrasive, um, and you know Eddie Jones was um, in the stands, and we we were chatting. We don't we didn't really know who um, who he's going to be watching there, you know. But uh, Tom Ellis is. Uh, um, one of the few guys really in that team that has been involved with with England before so um, Eddie Jones would at least have had an eye on him um, and I yeah I, I agree I, I thought he he looked good mm. your thoughts are, yeah. on on the scrum particularly the front row but any of the scrum Andrew um, oh, I think I just kind of echo the sentiments there I actually think Tom Ellis had a great game again um, I think he's becoming a bit of a stalwart uh, on that shirt um, and he's becoming you know, an automatic pick um, I've got a bit of a vested interest in the guy as my um, my mother-in-law and father-in-law were both in the army with his dad and they uh, uh, my wife and Tom used to run around in, in nappies together when they were younger so oh, right. um, I love to see him doing well and um, you know um, he's such a great player and I think such a great asset to Bath um, it's good to see him um, I think as well you know as you mentioned Boyce was absolutely brilliant it's nice to see him control his temper yep. it has been a bit of a, an issue before but getting a slap in the face from Marta and just kind of giving him a bit of a shove and then cracking on I think was great and I uh, also think Williams had a pretty good game as well and he's kind of continuing where he kind of left off in the last couple of games so mm. yeah, yeah no, just, pretty good just talk, talking on uh on, on Lewis Boyce and I managed to, to kind of grab a quick chat with him actually at the end of the game when he was walking round and um, he, 
I think in the in the reverse fixture in this competition against Harlequins, it was Judge and Boyce again, and I think they struggled on on the day and maybe a little bit of inexperience on that day. But he said to me that that he felt like um, they'd improved a lot since since then, and and that, 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 that with a little bit of better footing, uh, not a, a, a Shrek swamp, they may have actually been able to have the edge. And I certainly think it was a really even battle there. Uh, but he was certainly pretty positive about the, uh, the, the, the performance that both him and, and, and Judge uh, put in. And he mentioned specifically to me that, that in that first fixture, they just milked them of, of, of really cheap penalties through, through a bit of lack of experience. And I think he said that they, they both really learned from that experience against two really experienced guys like, like Marler and Sinclair, two England props. So um, promising signs for, for those boys, particularly if um, we do get any call-ups for England. Yeah. Right. yeah, I think um, just going Go back to the scrum as well, um, I think we had a 100% success rate in the scrum, didn't we? Mm. Think back to it. So, you know, it's just nice to see that even though we haven't got our, our first team um, necessarily lining up, that, that's going to continue through through the second string. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's good to see for whenever we have to, to change the front or, or second row. Yeah, I think 95% success rate on the tournament as a whole before that game kind of showed how that's been an area of strength generally for us this season um another area of strength hopefully going forward is uh, an exciting prospect uh, group of young prospects at bath three of which have signed new three-year deals this this week guys tommy spoke a little bit last week's podcast about some guys we'd we'd be keen to, to re-sign with that in mind what were your what was your reaction to to, to the news of, of Max Wright, Sam Underhill and Jack Walker all signing three-year deals. Yeah, it's great news. I think potentially the best news to, to come out of the club all season. Um, you know, we went through um, all the players that we thought were out of contract um, on the on the last podcast. Um, and I think pretty much out of out of all those players, you know, those three would be, would be right at the top. And, um, you know, what's more encouraging is it's not just a year here and there and then kind of reassess the options. Um, you know, the club have come out and said it's three-year deals um, for all of those those three guys. So, um, yeah, absolutely brilliant. Um, it, it really is. And uh, Sam Underhill did us really proud at the World Cup. We shouldn't shouldn't forget that. Um, and whereas he's not kind of been um, quite himself, I think, just probably due to fatigue since he's been back, um, he is someone that's going to um, grow the club um, and, and sort of uh, grow an experience um, given the given given his involvement with England and, and, and probably the Lions uh, next year. Um, and all those guys um, are gonna gonna do well to to learn from him. Um, and then yeah, do you want to, Andrew, Jack Walker, and, and Max Wright? Happy, happy that those guys have uh, I'll throw it over to you. Yeah, yeah, I think it's great to sign those guys up. You know, both got a lot of potential. Um, I think um, if you look at how Bath are going to start to operate within the salary cap, signing guys up like this, which you know potentially have either um, uh, a cap in them or, or two with England, or going to be on the cusp of that England team in a couple of years. I think it's great getting these guys signed up now, getting yep. them committed That's to Bath. Point. They can just concentrate on, on doing their rugby and uh, doing the best they can and progressing with the club. Uh, I think they're, they're great signings. And if you look at likes of Wasps losing um, Will Stewart to us, you know. Mm. Um, Keeping these guys, I think, is really, really important. I'm sure their names would have been on the list of other clubs for people to you know, try and poach and, and get over to their team. So really, really happy with the way that we're kind of managing our contracts at the minute. And, you know, as you mentioned, Sam Underhill's a, a, a massive talent. So to get, you know, a big, you know, kind of uh, guy like him and, and those two players, I think is, is brilliant. 
just kind of bodes well for our, our youth program in general uh, bringing those guys through yeah and I think you know you mentioned the the salary cap and um, uh, <laughs> I don't think it's any secret that Bath operates sort of pretty close to, to that cap with the with the personnel that we've got at, got at Farley House and um, uh, you know Underhill when he signed from Austria I can't imagine that was a um, you know a massive uh, contract having not been involved with England at that point um, so to to re-sign him um, is uh, um, it is big news, but it's also it's also big money. Um, sort of rumoured to be um, sort of over seven figures um, and above uh, for that three-year year contract. So um, you know we are going to have to make sort of uh, cuts. Um, uh, without wanting to sound like a, a politician, difficult decisions um, in other areas of the of the squad, um, and I think that kind of brings us quite nicely onto mm. um, to, to rumour around around Jamie Roberts too. Yeah, I think a politician this week, an accountant last week, Tom. What will it be <laughs> next week? Uh, but yeah, some, some some weird news coming out of the club, breaking I guess today. Uh, Monday as we record and, and absolutely nothing official from Bath Rugby no word of this by any means from the club but but broken by by Somerset Live who reasonably you know accurate with, with these things are often quite accurate and kind of reporting that Jamie Roberts has has agreed a deal an immediate deal to move uh, to South Africa to play for the Stormers for the start of their um, Super Rugby campaign, and I, I stress again that this is com- you know not confirmed by anyone, and and, and and we're not confirming it by any stretch of the imagination. Clearly, di- merely just discussing what Somerset Live are reporting tonight, Andrew. But kind of, what was your initial reaction to to, to this news around Roberts? Just shocked, really. Just really mm. surprised. It's, it came out of the blue completely, and. Um, no, while I don't think he's necessarily been in his, his kind of best marauding form um, recently, he's a great player and, and has had a couple of really good games for us. And if I look at the strength of the team um, and in the position he plays, you know, it's um, it was quite interesting to see that we're willing to let him go. I would have thought that we'd want to try and keep him within within the team. But, you know, maybe it's something to do with the contracts extensions or maybe the, the club are confident in, in Willison coming through and, and kind of filling that place. Then maybe that's what the thought is. But I'll admit, I was really, really surprised. And um, I think we all knew he's probably going to go at the end of the season anyway. Um, I don't really think he's made any um, kind of sounds that he wanted to stay. Plus, he's you know, had other commitments. But, look, if he's not committed to the club um, and, you know, wanted to go out and, and do some TV appearances in the World Cup, it kind of feels like maybe wasn't invested in the project, maybe it's, it's the right thing. And you don't know what people are like behind the scenes. I assume that he's a, you know, a very supportive, very, very senior player, but, but you never know. Mm. Uh, and I guess you know, the club have made the decision for the right reasons, so you've got to think so. Yeah, I think that's that's slightly harsh to be honest. I mean, you know, we've been we've been critical of him, um, obviously going to to the World Cup, but since that point, um, you know, he has been a bit of a stalwart in 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 a Bath shirt. Um, you know, up until the the Quinns game on Friday, he had fourteen consecutive appearances. Um, you know, you mentioned Max Clark, who had surgery earlier on in the season. Jonathan Joseph, likely involved with England. So I think if he if he were to go, and um, you know, it's sounding like that that's quite likely. And um, with kind of Stormers putting out um, as kind of a slightly cryptic uh, tweet around having sort of a plan to um, to deal with the fact that he's he's still in contract, and um, the suggestion is that that sort of third party uh, funding that they're in the market for um, some quite high profile players, so Hugh Jones and Mattia Bastero as well as um, as well as Jamie Roberts. So it's something like that that might happen. Um, and I think I think it'll be a loss the rest of the season because as I say, I do think we are 
stretched quite thin in that particular department. Um, and I do think, um, you know, his presence has been fairly consistent. Um, and, you know, whereas he's not rediscovered his, you know, his form of seasons gone by, I think he's been solid. Um, and I think, I think we'll miss him for the rest of the season if he does go. Yeah, I think that's right. Shocked was kind of the, my initial reaction, then shocked and, and quickly on to the, 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 the player, uh, the playing squad on the Bath Rugby website to kind of see what the thinking was to, to cover this if it did happen. And, and just looking at it, Jackson Willison back from injury, but back after a long, long period out with concussion. So, so you can't really be that reliant on that. Jonathan Joseph is the next one and, and he must have England aspirations and Henry Slade's not fit. And so JJ, you know, oh, he will, I'd be he will extremely be surprised yeah. if he wasn't in that, that, that England squad. Then you've got Max Wright, a fantastic player re-signed this season. But as good as Max Wright is, he's not going to be able to play 12 and 13. So I guess then you're looking at... Alib Brew will be playing all across the back line. Alib Brew or, or, <laughs> or, 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 or then, you, then, then, then further down, you've got Max Ajomo, who, who's played a bit for Bath United, but never featured for the first team. And then Tom de Glanville, who, who has now featured for the first team at 15, has played a bit at 12 for, for Bath United. But I guess if this is true, there, there, there must be a serious confidence in, in one of those guys to, to kind of suggest that if, if JJ does uh, come, come, come into the England squad, as we imagine, the, 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 they're going to step up to the plate, which, which I'd be very surprised uh, to, to kind of hear. Unless we are, unless I think I didn't mean to sound harsh on Jamie Roberts at all. I actually think he's a great player. It's more the fact I'm trying to find a reason as to why mm. Bath are letting this happen yeah. at this stage of the season with, with such a good player. Um, Gina, Gina could be a, uh... be a massive, as you say, especially during the Six Nations. I mean, he's, he's a guy that would have been instrumental to to our starting team, especially given what he's done in the last couple of mm. weeks. So, yeah, so it's a really really strange one. You just kind of have to hope that the club have got a plan or have information that we're not privy to and you know they're managing it like they've been managing the injuries recently and, and keeping their class cards close to their chest. Yeah, I was gonna say obviously with the what's going on at Saracens again um, not clear yet what's happening there, but will they be releasing players um, mid season to make sure they comply with the salary cup this season? Um, you know um, was there is there a certain um, centre and fly half that may or may not be rumoured to uh, to be coming over to, to Farley House? Could you know? Because as you say, if he goes and no one comes in to replace him, we're, we're really thin in that department. So um, uh, you know, and 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 to be clear, my understanding of it is that we have ultim- ultimately have say on if we let him go, and obviously there'll be a um, sort of penalty to to break his his contract because he still is. Um, under the terms of that contract until the end of the season. Um, but I think it would ultimately be our call if we let him. So I'd like to think that there are some sort of, uh, some sort of plan to, to replace him, um, what that will look like. Um, who knows, to be honest. Yeah, certainly want to track um, going, going forward in the next couple of weeks. It sounds like it's something that will be resolved pretty quickly, just kind of the speed that this is all broken this afternoon. I'd be very surprised if, if by the time we record our next podcast next week, um, if, if this, this whole situation hasn't become a little bit clearer and we will undoubtedly touch on it then. Finally, I think just uh, one last point yeah. on that. If, if we are going to bring this this mystery player in from Saracens, just in terms of the age profile of that player, um, it is actually um, maybe a, a good move for, for the long term uh, future of the of the club and the squad. You mm. know, we'll be swapping out a player. I think it's 33, 34 for what yeah. it's about 25, 26. So unless it's uh, Brad Barrett. A, a <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry. I said unless it's Brad Barrett. <laughs> 
I'll take it. Or Marcelo <laughs> Bosch or someone. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. One, one, one to track. So, say, uh, let's move on, boys, to the to the Ulster game upcoming, uh, and another dead rubber for Bath, but on this occasion, certainly not for Ulster. Um, and, and kind of to give a bit of uh, um, uh, thoughts from from Twitter before we throw it to to, to to what you guys think. But Ben Bruce Smith has been in touch with us at Bath Rugby Plug on Twitter saying, for me, Tom the Glanville and Willison have to start against Ulster despite the loss to Quinns. I think our approach should stay the same, but I'd be interested to hear what you guys think. Tom, would you be um, surprised if there were many changes from the, the 23 that we saw against Harlequins? Yeah, I think it will be a, a similar kind of kind of blend of, of those guys. Um, you know, Starting Tom the Glanville, most likely at fullback um, in the Kingspan, which as we know is a, a bit of a fortress for, for Ulster and it's a you know a fairly rowdy atmosphere that would be a, a massive challenge um, and my question would be is he um, you know quite ready to to be starting at, at, at fullback particularly when you know Gabe Hammer Webb will likely start in that that wing position so I think that would be that would be tough for him I'd really like to see him him given a go in the centre or even, or even at fly half um, but it doesn't seem like that's where where we're sort of um, you know, uh, sort of where we're liking the look of him playing. So I, to be honest, I expect him to feature on the bench again, um, but to sort of have a similar sort of half an hour, um, maybe even 40 minutes uh, against Ulster, because ultimately, you know, it's a fine balance to strike. You want to give these players good experience, but you don't want to harm their confidence by going out there, getting hammered by an Ulster side who will be coming all guns blazing for that five points. Mm. Um uh, because I, I think that that potentially does 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 more harm than good. But Jackson Willison, for sure, um, like to see him him start. Um, to be honest, in this game and then going forwards into the Premiership as well. Andrew, what 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 would you be uh, happy with in terms of team selection at, at Ravenhill on Saturday afternoon? Um, I'll be honest, I think pretty much the same team that we played this week. You know, give some experience to, to the guys. Um, I think playing two games in a row would do wonders for, for a lot of the confidence and the match sharpness and the fitness of the boys. Um, as we've spoken about before, I think they actually played pretty well given the, the strength of the team that they're up against. And, you know, why not give them the chance to go up against Cooney and the boys um, mm. and, and do it away and, and you know, have a, a really, really big potential European night for them. It could be great for their development. But actually, you know, I do agree with what, what Tom said. You, know, you don't want to ruin their confidence. You know, whether we do put a, a sprinkling of experience, you know, I know Watson's probably not going to play, but another player like that within the within the fifteen somewhere might be a good idea. But I think on the whole, the, the boys acquitted themselves quite well. And, you know, we should be looking to follow a similar sort of um, similar sort of starting fifteen. Yeah, yeah. Burns v Burns. I, I was going to say. I think yeah. we'll we'll likely see on Saturday afternoon. So so that'd be one to watch, and 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 I guess there is an opportunity here to to to, to cause an upset in the. I really wasn't that impressed with them when, when they played at the wreck and it was a game that I, I genuinely think that if a couple of balls bounce a different way, we, we turn them over. And I think generally speaking, throughout this competition, aside from, from a few flashes of absolute genius from, from John Cooney, and don't get me wrong, they, they undoubtedly have been. You know, They haven't been uh, maybe as good as, as potentially their record shows, I, I, I would say, Ulster. And so I think if we can contain Cooney to, 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 to limit those those moments of, of genius, then and I guess we've, we've got a chance of, of getting a positive result. But I think for me, 
it will be difficult because they will be guns blazing for that win. And, and ultimately for us, it doesn't matter as much. And therefore, any kind of bonus point on, on Saturday, I think I said it when we went to Claremont, uh, that any kind of bonus point would be a positive result. And I kind of feel the same way. I, I get the impression that that's more likely to come in, in, in the form of a losing bonus point uh, because our, our attack is is so, so incompetent. And I guess Ulster... Um, his defence is probably maybe more stringent than when we got a, a, a four-try bonus point away at Claremont when, when they completely took the foot off the gas. Tom, what would be a, 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 a positive result for you? I, don't, I, don't, I find it difficult to see um, this going particularly well for us, to be honest. I've, I've got a nasty, <laughs> nasty feeling that, that they're going to come out, Good. really, really, ma- really make a statement and, um, and look to put us away in some fashion. And that's why I kind of am reluctant to, to you know, throw all these guys um, guys into the mix. I just, to be honest with you, I'm just ready for the end of this um, horrible uh, European campaign. Uh, I just want it, want it to come to an end. As you say, the worst run. Tom, no politics um, on the worst. The worst, the worst, the worst run in history. As you say, um, Ospreys very nearly beat a 14-man Saracens at the weekend. If they'd done that, we would have been the only team in the competition um, to to have lost every game. So um, it's quite bleak, and I'd, I'd quite like to consign uh, this one to history at, at five o'clock on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, Andrew, what would be a, a positive result for, for, for from your perspective for Bath on Saturday? Do you know, I don't want to be uh, Debbie Downers. I feel like I've said a lot of negative things on this pod so far. So I'm going to put my faith uh, in the law of averages and, and hope for a Bath win. It's got to come at some point. Um, you know, form is temporary, class is permanent, as they say. But um, I'll be honest, I think if we can keep it to within 20 points, Oh, nice. Um, so I'll be getting some texts and updates. Um, but yeah, I'd, uh, I'm really kind of hoping that we can, that we can do it. But I, just, I think they're going to have too much for us and uh, just a bit too much quality. Yeah. They're going to want to win the game, right? And, and we're just wanting to blood some youngsters. So I think that's, that's pretty much all she wrote there, unfortunately. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I guess that is actually probably the perfect way to, to kind of sum up uh, the, the preview for that game is that, you know, the attitude going in from, from both players, coaches and supporters will be very, very different on Saturday. And I think there is possibly a way when where, where, where both can be happy with an Ulster win and a, a Bath losing bonus point. But I think that would be, um, you know, potentially even dreamland status for, for, for those Bath fans. But um, fingers crossed. And if you are going out there, uh, have a fantastic weekend. Um, we proved when we went to Claremont that you can have a great weekend, even if the rugby doesn't always go uh, your way. Um, Thank you very much for, for joining me, Tom, and, and Andrew in particular uh, this weekend. Really enjoyed uh, your thoughts. And um, yeah, we're, we're going to do it again soon. So um, yeah, uh, hope you also enjoyed having a third opinion. Uh, and, and yeah, that's that, plenty more of that to come on the podcast. Um, we'll be back next week um, with the announcement of, of Will Stewart. Um, <laughs> you know, Skyros, you up into that England, uh, England Six Nations, uh, Six Nations squad boys. Exciting to see who's included in that actually because mm. um, I think uh, Eddie Jones uh, might be looking to ruffle a few feathers and, uh, and pick a few, a few bolters and maybe leave out a few, um, a few of the kind of the more established guys. So that's going to be very interesting when he announces that on Monday. Yeah, I'll keep my phone on Eddie. Um, yeah, so uh, don't worry about the concussion. I will turn out well, you're going, you're going through HIE protocol. <laughs> otherwise, otherwise, you're a banker. Yeah. 
<laughs> Sorry, just before we go, guys, just one final thought on that on that England team. Um, do you think Eddie's actually going to go with the younger team? The reason why I say that is he's got to win this, right? Didn't win the World Cup. Yeah. It's kind of they they've got to do something with the team. Do you reckon he's going to throw caution to the wind and pick a younger team, or do you reckon he's going to go with his old tried and tested? Yeah, squad like it usually does. I guess the core of of the squad will be probably very similar. I think to the one that was at the World Cup because I think the core of that squad is ultimately really young and really promising. But I think in the wider squad there will likely be the odd admission and there will be likely the odd you know bolter not my level bolter but um the odd bolter from from maybe someone from from quite far left field that people haven't seen coming certainly in that wider squad and i guess that's kind of typical jones we've seen that you know throughout his tenure for england in that he likes to keep people you know fans and players on their toes give the impression that that nobody's kind of comfortable in yeah. that squad but i do think that the core of that squad and ultimately the 23 that run out against france in paris will be very similar to the one we saw uh, run out against South Africa in 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 Tokyo. Yeah, he's not gonna he's not gonna rip it up and start again for sure. It's it's a recipe that's worked well for him. But yeah, I'm expecting a couple at least of, of pretty high profile um, emissions. Um, and then yeah, I think there'll be um, a couple of guys that we we haven't seen coming at all. Um, I mentioned to you Gabriel Libertoye. Um, I think potentially would be my um, other bolter for for inclusion, given that a couple of the the guys, Stokonasiga, your boy Andrew, um, is is injured at the moment. So um, and, and obviously um, Will Stewart as well. <laughs> yeah. What What do you reckon, Andrew? Sorry. What do you reckon on the on the England squad? Do you think they'll be rip it up and start again, or or, or reasonably consistent? Uh, I think it'll be reasonably consistent. To be fair, um, you know, one player that I do actually quite like is uh, is Harry Randall from Bristol. Mm. Um, I think yeah. you know potentially they uh, they might want to try and bring him into the squad. As you know, I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of, of Ben Young. He's a great player, but you know there, there probably needs to be a, a bit of a change of the guard there. So yeah, um, interested to see it, but. Um, yeah, I think on the whole, Eddie's going to do what he's always done before. But I know a few of the, few of the other rugby pods have kind of questioned how uh, how Eddie's going to play. And look, he's going to want to win, so he's going to want to play yeah. his, mm. his best team and his strongest team. And we know when he does that, as you say, he smatters a, a few um, wild cards. But apart from that, mainly sticks with the core of his, his team yeah. and his group that have kind of supported him so well over the last couple of years. Yeah, I think that's a good a good moment to, to wrap up the podcast because we need to go off mic and tell you that, that no positive Bristol chat is allowed on the Bath Rugby Plug <laughs> podcast. Uh, thanks very much for joining us, Andrew. Thank you, Tom. Um, do all the great things to help us out, listeners. Subscribe, tell your mates, rate and review. We are going to read out some of those reviews when we get round to it uh, in a couple of weeks. But um, keep doing it uh, and joining the conversation on Twitter. And as always, stick behind the boys through thick and thin.